What's up, guys? It's Jordan Stoltz, the host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. Welcome to a Motivation Monday. Today, I'm bringing you another interview. It's episode 112, and today's interview is with Justin Andrews. Justin Andrews is a member of the Mind Pump crew. If you remember, I had Sal Stefano on the podcast to talk about nutrition, relationship to your body, to your food, to your training training frequency, and all these different things we talked about. Today, I talked to Justin, who's another host on the show, and I really liked talking to Justin uh, just because he comes from an athletic performance background, from a college sports background, and that's my wheelhouse, right? I'm a strength and conditioning coach, and I love talking that. We kind of nerded out for a little bit. We talked about specific training, specific nutrition, an athlete's mindset, and what that can do to you in your future training. This interview is full of gold, and whether you've competed, whether you do compete, or maybe you just have some general goals that you want to accomplish, this is a good episode to listen to. We really get into some more general population stuff in the end, and he also fills me in on uh, his recent project, which is the Axon Stick. This is something that I think is really cool and that I plan on using in the future when I'm a strength coach elsewhere. So hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Longer interview, about an hour with Justin Andrews. So sit back, listen, enjoy it, and uh, let me know what you think by reviewing the podcast on iTunes, connecting with Justin, letting him know you listen to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast, and you enjoyed his interview. I'm Jordan Stoltz, and this is my interview with Mind Pump Justin, Justin Andrews. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. So I guess just give a little bit of background like to my listeners um, about you, how you had athletic experience and then how that led into like fitness and commercial gyms and then eventually mind pump. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been, uh, I would consider myself an athlete since, I mean, day one, I was very interested in sports and um, I played soccer, I played baseball, I played basketball, I played football. I mean, I even played rugby in college and, um, football was the one I really excelled in. And I went from, uh, high school kind of performing really well, uh, to college and realizing that, uh, there are genetic freaks out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had to work really extra hard on every little performance gain I could get. So, Um, you know, working out in the weight room became like religious practice for me. So, um, every, every waking moment I would try to improve, um, either uh, a, on my power, my strength, my movement practices. Um, and that was just my own intuitive sort of, um, journey with that. So, um, from there after going into, um, I actually played college sports and I played, I played football in college. And then um, after that, I realized I wasn't going to have a career in this because there's just monsters out there and everybody's mm-hmm. bigger, faster, stronger. Um, but I really, really enjoyed the training process. And that was something that, you know, I was passionate about. So I took that into uh, the commercial gym setting. 
And that's actually where I met Adam. And um, he was a, a manager at the time at 24 Hour Fitness. And he started to teach me kind of more of the business end of everything. So um, I do definitely give him a lot of credit for um, sort of steering me in how I was, you know, how, how I, I learned, you know, how to kind of market myself and how to uh, sell myself and, and just get out there and uh, turn this into something that I could, you know, make my career. So um, that's basically the journey that got me to uh, where now training is going to be my career. I got to get better at this, right? So that's, I started to kind of steer myself more into um, the athletic realm because uh, my background, I'm very passionate about sports and just um, what it takes to be excellent at a lot of these skills. And um, that's, that's what I'm still passionate about now. Like I, I, I just, uh, I'm not as passionate about burning fat and, you know, uh, getting a six pack abs and, and going up on stage and, and, and prancing around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> that's just never been my thing, you know? And it's, um, and it's fine. You know, people can be into that. That's, that's totally cool. But, um, for me, I just, I've never been interested in that. And, uh, with mind pump, it's interesting because, uh, we all kind of have a different passion. Um, but it's all, it's all related. And uh, all these different pursuits, um, they definitely can benefit each other. And so this is something that sort of created our own sort of philosophy towards training. And um, so that's kind of where, where we're at today with Mind Pump. I mean, is that it's kind of impressive to me, um, just as someone that's kind of in the industry, that you uh, were able to really stick to that passion of the athletic performance and everything, because I think it's really easy, like if you're trying to make a career out of it, to kind of go into that, uh, like you know, prancing around on stage, yep, in your underwear kind of thing. I mean, it's just because that's what sells, right? This is the six pack abs. Oh my god, yeah, burn fat in ten minutes and all this different stuff. So, um, did you experience like challenges as far as like training clients and? Yeah, being I mean, able to market yourself with that. Absolutely. I mean, I I already know right away. Like what I talk about is probably the least popular, you know. And so that's yeah, just sure. that, that's just something I know, you know. Like I I align myself with people that I know kind of voice. I mean, what what they talk about definitely gets a lot more traction, and um, and even even still, it's kind of funny because I know Adam kind of went through the process of, um, getting on stage and doing the physique, uh, competition. And, you know, he was very business minded about it. And we've, we both shared that in common because the underlying theme is, um, you know, how do we get more visibility? You know, how, how can our message get out further and, and, and reach the general public? And, you know, for me, it's been, it's, it's definitely been a tightrope, man. It's been something that I've been trying to, to balance. Like how can I, um, interject, uh, my background and my ideas and like, what are the, like the prerequisites to movement? Like, um, you know, the quality of movement, like mobility, um, you know, all these things that are like completely unsexy, um, but are so foundational and people just breeze right past that and try to blast themselves and get, um, to this ultimate physique that everybody's portraying on, um, you know, social media. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a battle and it's something that internally, um, 
you know, I struggle sometimes to, you know, overpower the conversation and, and kind of come in with like, no, no, this is what we need to focus on. Um, but I know that your average person, like to actually get them to listen, uh, you have to kind of meet them where they're at. So that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I think people that are like realize the importance of athletic performance, even like for feeling good and, you know, looking good. I mean, it takes a long process to get to the point where you know how important that is. I know like in my own experience, uh, I grew up on a farm in North Dakota and, uh, I started out like with my, you know, home workout equipment cause there wasn't a gym to go to or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the little rotating pushup handles and a door pull-up bar. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I was at, you know, I was trying to get the abs, I was trying to get the arms and all that stuff. And then I actually on uh, T nation, you know, that site. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm very familiar. Yeah, there's a lot of bad on there. There's some good on there too. But uh, there was one article from like 2006 or something like that that was called 50 Tips for Serious Athletes mm-hmm. that was written like from a performance director at a at a, like a athletic performance gym. And I read that and I remember even like to this day that one of the tips on there was like if you want big arms, uh, do chin-ups and like do weighted chin-ups until you can get uh like this such and such a weight for six reps and then like you'll be strong enough to have big arms or something like that it was kind of just some generic tip pretty that vague was, yeah yeah it was pretty vague but it really kind of opened my eyes as far as strength is concerned mm-hmm. and just the importance of that because before that it was you know in the whole p90x kind of workout right and then from there i kind of just fell in love with the strength work and the athletic performance work more mm-hmm. just from seeing that that had potential to maybe get me where I wanted to be. And I just started to have fun with the farm equipment basically and had tires and farmer walk bars and started just making my own equipment out in the barn. Nice. Yeah. yeah and I that's mean, what really got me into it. Yeah. No, I, I can kind of uh, identify with that as far as unconventional equipment is concerned. Like I, I just, I get um I get a little bit bored uh with the commercial gym setting, let's just say. Um mm-hmm. and so for me I started to pursue like even before CrossFit and for all these different um like quote unquote functional type uh, training modalities sort of got gained popularity. Um I was throwing these these gymnastic rings over squat racks and um you know, I got into stuff before TRX but like doing uh, I really got into body weight training and how to intensify that. And, um, also, you know, kettlebell training and mace bell training and Indian clubs and things like that. Um, just different ways to express movement and train those types of movements. Um, I feel like there's just this massive sort of neglect, um, as far as, uh, training in multiple planes, like everything is so sagittal. And, um, we're, we're very focused on, yeah, let's, let's build strength, but you're building strength for what, like it, what, what are you building strength for? And I think that, um, what I, what I, as far as like, um, athletic training is concerned, um, I always lean back to that principle of specificity and, um, to focus more on skill. And so, um, I want to be more purposeful in my training. Um, so if I'm, if I'm training specifically for football, like how do I 
how do I train um, those specific skills to their to the best capacity that I can? And, you know, and it really it amounts to like strength being the foundational component. So strength with mobility. So mobility being um, uh, that expressing range of motion, but having strength in that range of motion. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm more responsive. I'm able to um, make cuts. I'm able to, you know, move, uh, you know, multiple planes of efficiently. Um, but all these things like considering, um, you, you know, going uh, more in a focused um, plan with that, like that, that's always been something that I, I wanted to get better and better at. So um, this is kind of where when originally I met Sal and he came up with maps anabolic, I saw kind of the formula there that he'd created, um, which was brilliant, it, you know, with trigger sessions and adding in, um, you know, more volume and, and more frequency into the training and, and getting past like the body weight splits and the, the bro style training, which I had already evolved in my training career you know, long before, but it was nice to see somebody from more of an aesthetic background and holistic background kind of take on that, um, in their programming. And, you know, I was like, wow, this is great. Cause now I can apply like movement practices in there instead of trigger sessions. And so we created kind of more mobility type, um, practices in between, you know, our foundational days. And it just became like this, this this formula that we realized you know has really worked well um you know in athletic pursuits and also aesthetic pursuits so um yeah, yeah that's that's been a real game changer for me is to um you know boil it down to better movement practices quality of movement um getting everything more responsive and um having your body communicate better how do you how would you kind of scale that principle of specificity like to maybe just an average person who doesn't necessarily have a performance goal they just want to be able to I don't know play a pickup game of volleyball or flag football or something or just play with their kids or their dogs or right you know what I mean just like be ready for it but uh, maybe a little older maybe a little out of shape like how would you program somebody with an athletic performance background like to just be ready for that without yeah, I think it's sport. I think it's looking at um the joints like in in particular and just um being able to uh go through ranges of motion and and um your joints t um be able to carry out these movements uh effectively the way that they're intended to. So um this is really what inspired um our prime program as well because um this is something that in it's such an individual thing. Um, as a coach, you identify a lot of imbalances, a lot of uh, dysfunction and things that uh, you can you can see right away. Like you can see um, what needs to be addressed. Um, you know, there's there's just common things out there um, that we we tend to kind of uh, our, our body adapts really quickly to. So if I'm sitting all day and over over the course of, you know, 10 years or so, like in, in, in my job, my body has, has become very efficient at, um, what I've told it to do throughout the day. So, um, just to be, to be ready in, in, and to be able to, um, uh, you know, express, 
um, these new types of movements, like you have to, you have to prime your body to respond accordingly. So, um, we put in like a few different tests that are very basic. So, I mean, the goal for me has always to be able to simplify the process, um, and to, to make it, make it more, um, easily digestible for your average person to, um, you know, have an idea of like, okay, my shoulders should be able to retract and depress and I should be able to sustain that, um, you know, in this movement. And, um, there's, there's different things that you can identify, um, that uh, will stick out when you do a wall press or when you do a windmill or when you do like one of our tests with, uh, a squat test that you can, you can see, um, whether you, you can internally, externally rotate, um, you know, your shoulder properly. Um, so all these different things that, um, we, we tried to simplify with three different movements and then, um, based off of like some of these checkpoints, um, you can go forward and say, well, you know, I, I really can't do that. And why can't I do that? And what are the movements that will help me to, uh, improve that? So, um, I think, I think just being able to, um, express, what your body's supposed to be doing. So, um, that, that, that's really the, the main objective is, is to get your body to, um, be more responsive, uh, in, in everyday movement. And then from there we start, um, you know, loading the body, adding weight, um, adding more explosive type movements, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit to your like actual football playing experience. So like in this athletic performance world, maybe as an athlete, mm-hmm. uh, what are some things you kind of mentioned, you know, about the genetic freaks, which, you know, I've noticed too, I'm not a small guy, but when you're next to like a, you know, a huge football player, you feel very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, d- since you maybe had a disadvantage there, as far as the genetics are concerned, did you like kind of pick up more unique training or per- start focusing on that quality of the performance work to try to make up some ground? Yeah, I think um, what I noticed right away was my initial goal was to get bigger, which I, I feel like is pretty typical um, when you see a monstrous guy uh, across the line that's going to squash you. Like <laughs> the first thing mm-hmm. you want to do is, uh, you know, I'm going to put on some more mass. And so initially that was kind of what I did in – uh, what I found as a result was my movement suffered significantly. I was imbalanced. Um, I could move very well in the sagittal plane, but I could not. I could not uh, respond as quickly, and I couldn't move very well uh, left to right or even with rotation. So um, that's something that I I subtly kind of picked up on, and, and um, the coaches too. Uh, again, this is something that pervades. I think the the sports arena is like, especially with football is like, uh, you know, bigger, bigger is better. And, uh, what I found, what I found to be more effective was, um, you know, to really, to really understand how to move better and more effectively and to get things to respond faster. So, um, it's, it's more along the speed power sort of mentality. So, um, for me, I kind of switched my training up to more, explosive movements, um, which I hadn't, I had been doing a bit of power cleans, but it was always for how much weight I could do. And 
I started to treat a power clean more as a skill. And so as I started to treat it more as a skill, um, my body responded a lot quicker. And so uh, when I went to grip the bar, I would add more tension. When I, um, you know, went to hit a certain spot on my thigh, I would get that explosive response at a faster rate. And so all these things, and, and I was just noticing like where my wrist position were, where my elbow position was, where my shoulders were, you know, uh, you know, how I was hinging with my hips and, you know, how explosive I was in that extension and, um, you know, and then, and then working on my vertical jump and, um, you know, doing all these types of like speed, power, explosive type movements, um, really had much better carryover for me because now maybe I wasn't quite as heavy going into the next season, but I was sure as hell a lot power, more powerful and, that helped me to have an advantage to where, you know, the ball snaps, boom, you know, I'm so responsive. I'm already, you know, one, two steps ahead of my competitor. So, um, that was something that I was like, Oh, wow. You know, I can improve the way that my body moves and responds and I don't just have to overload my body. And, you know, light bulb kind of went off for me from there and then started to realize too, like, um, you know, I was pain free. I was adding a lot of mobility into my, um, practices. So it was like low to moderate intensity, you know, throughout the week. And then I would, I would have like a, a more of an intensive, intensive type training day with barbells and all this was in the off season. Um, and then I would go into season just fresh and, and then just work on conditioning and then the skills of, of movement in practice. So, that was yeah. that was something I really honed in on. Well, uh, shoot, Justin, that's something that uh, that actually I kind of want to talk about a little bit. That's uh, I'd say like one of the main. I don't know if it's a mindset issue or just with the way that like athletes are coached, um, but that just focus on mass or that focus on weight on the bar too. I I think that's one of the biggest problems, at least that you know maybe even as coaches we create in the athletes. Like I've seen a lot of, whether it's, you know, baseball or football are the two that I've mainly seen this in, uh, where, you know, they'll be so focused on hitting a number on the scale, right? Just like getting heavier, yeah. just the sake of getting heavier, where, you know, they might, over the course of time, their performance tests, their vertical jump may go down, their, you know, explosiveness may go down, but they're just so focused on that scale. But then I've seen the, like the, another ugly side of that too, is where they get weighed and body fat tested publicly all the time mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you leave that environment and you're still so focused on that, that it kind of creates a bad mindset as far as your body weight is concerned. Right. And I see that more in like the female competitors, but it's, mm -hmm. it's just like an, I don't know if we create that like as strength coaches or what the deal is, but really it's making an unhealthy relationship to someone's body. It seems like, and how they can actually get better at what they want to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you're kind of hitting a nerve with sort of our message with just like poor relationships with, with nutrition, poor relationships with exercise. Um, this can all, and that's, that's the fine line with sports is you have to recognize that it's a sport. And so already this is something that um, we're making compromises right away. We're making compromises as far as like longevity is concerned. And um, we're, we're trying to perform, we're, we're peak performing uh, intermittently. 
hopefully, uh, a lot of times too, then this is another thing that I'm sort of passionate about is the overuse of intensity and um, how, uh, you know, the martyrdom, the uh, beast mode, um, how this, how this is like really glorified, which, you know, from, from my background is it's a really tough thing to kick because it's been drilled in my head over and over and over that mental discipline, you know, you can, you can get yourself out of anything. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and especially with football, it's such an intensive, uh, battle that, uh, you really have to generate this, um, this intensity and this, this, this sort of mental attitude that I can overcome anything. And that is important. It's very important. But, uh, as far as like maintaining your body's health and performance and, you actually find out that when you apply proper rest and you apply um, <clears throat> and you go through the actual practice of, of de-stressing and being mindful, how much that feeds into your performance and how when your body's at, at balance, it performs at its peak. So, you know, that, that's such a <laughs> it's such a different concept for athletes. Um, and it's something that I stress like immediately if I could get to like young athletes, this is something that I'm always trying to uh, really touch upon because all they're going to get in their athletic career is people trying to get them to go as hard as possible. And, yeah. you know, and I get it. Like it's, it's, it's something that your coach, they want to see you, um, you know, put your all into everything. And I'm not taking away from that. Um, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is be more effective with the way that, you know, you're, you're uh, treating your body uh, with your training, especially. So uh, when you're performing, that's different. <clears throat> when you're performing, that's 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 the expression of all the work that you put in through your training. So um, this is this is definitely like an area where um, you know we're addressing these relationships with with exercise. And I've had I've had a pretty tough one with exercise because for me, it's it's kill every workout. It's it's that same mentality I brought into game time uh, that I would bring into training. And I had to really um, work on that and internally um, with how I approached, um, you know, the way that I trained my body, the way that I uh, interacted uh, in the weight room and the way that I applied rest. And so you just, it, you have to sort of uh, differentiate between sport and fitness and, 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 you know, you know, longevity type pursuits and, and wellness. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good, it's a good balance for me too, because having two other co-hosts that are like a little bit more, um, they have a different perspective. Uh, it's really helped to kind of shape, uh, my mindset towards that. And, uh, I've, I've found that, uh, really, you know, uh, planning out your intensity and, and, and then uh, adding low to moderate intensity and just like frequently moving, is is just a recipe for success and that's something that um you know any athlete can benefit from that um even even now like competing you know you, you know that uh, your your wear and tear is is up on your body but uh, there is a way that you can manage it better so I and mean, that's why like things like uh, boot camps crossfit all that's so so popular with former athletes right it's just that they crave that kind of work you into the ground kind of workout oh they, it's so you know, attractive they, yeah 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 they want to lay in that puddle of sweat at the end oh yeah but i mean i had a client once that was uh uh i think he was like the air force or something like that maybe the army um i think it was the air force and i mean he was 
over the first like six weeks, I was bas- you know, I was gradually working him into the kind of workouts I was going to have him do, and he was pretty unhappy because he wanted to, you know, he wanted to leave dead, and you know, he kind of expressed that mm-hmm. that you know, I I'm not feeling like I'm running to the ground when I leave, and it was very hard to like try to get across that he shouldn't feel that way, that that's not actually the healthy way to feel after a workout that you're just completely exhausted and want to go lay down for a nap. But right. What do you think like the education on athletes or on coaches would look like if we, because like you talked about getting to young athletes, maybe do you think that's mainly the way that this would have to go as far as teaching better relationships to movement and to their bodies and things like that? I mean, ideally, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to influence at a young level just because, you know, they're more receptive to the concept. Like if you would have if you would have approached me with that mindset while I was in football and while I was like I felt like I was, you know, in the middle of a battle, like I would I would just like not listen to you at all. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, I would just <laughs> I was pretty stubborn back then. So it would have been a hard it would have been a hard sell for me. Um, and I know that there's a lot of athletes like that out there that I've worked with that just, they they just have this hardwired system in in them that they just, they have to go, uh, all out and they have to, they have to just kill everything. So, um, I can identify with that a lot. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's, I mean, it's just a matter of, of starting at the top. So if you're the coach in, in, um, you want to create the culture around that. I mean, you have the power to do that. It's it's all um, it's all just getting everybody to um, kind of buy into your vision and uh, influence by applying. So making sure that this is part of the programming and this is what the whole team does together. And you know, you you designate um, you know time and practice around uh, these types of of things and. Um, that's something I didn't experience in college and I wish, you know, our coaches, um, you know, had a little more background with that. But, uh, I mean, there was a famous quote. One of my coaches would, would say, deer don't stretch. And, uh, this is something that, um, you know, carried with me and I kind of laugh at it now because, um, it's such an old school mentality that, uh, it still exists and, um, you know, unfortunately I saw a lot of tears and I saw a lot of, you know, hamstring pulls and, um, you know, a lot of people going down on the field and, you know, but that, that, that's part of the culture, you know, it's the culture you create. So, um, the bucks, the buck stops at the, at the coach at the top. So, um, it's definitely, it's something that, um, you know, like forward thinking, coaches which do exist and I've actually been able to you know meet a few and um you know I was I was lucky to meet a, a few coaches that that uh I'm now sort of talking with but uh are are starting to you know buy into that concept a bit more of how how can we we add more quality movement how can we um be more specific to uh the individual and, and address their individual needs so I think that's the direction yeah. we all need to go that's what I'm really passionate about. It's kind of what I want to bring into that industry is kind of more of that uh, almost corrective mm-hmm. side of it. What uh, you're talking about injuries there for a second. This is something I kind of wanted to bring up was, uh, I mean, in, 
whether it's in like college or the NFL or uh, even other sports besides football, it kind of seems like some kind of injuries are getting more frequent. Hmm. And I don't know if this is actually like st- statistically true, but it definitely seems like, you know, ACL tears, Achilles injuries, mm-hmm. uh, all these different you know hamstring pulls, all these different things are getting more common instead of less. Do you think is that true? And like if it is, why? So wh- oh, is yeah. it just the like it the seems level of like it, right? Yeah, I think it seems uh, like it. Yeah, and I'm not sure about like actual statistics on that, but I know that uh, I mean just from watching games and seeing like in the preseason how many people are dropping left and right. Um, it is. It's frustrating to me to see that because um, to me, it, it. I mean, I hate to say, it, but it, it screams like the off season. It screams the training practices and um, the mindset. So um, I think that um, especially in the professional realm. Um, the, the job of, of the strength conditioning coach is, is longevity of the career of their athletes and to just, uh, feed into the performance and to, you know, uh, try to, try to train, um, these already like super high performing athletes, um, and, and load them with as much weight as they can, um, to, to try and gain more strength and power, I think is, is a missed, is a missed, uh, step there. I think that, um, really like our focus should be more on how can we, we better, um, you know, prevent these types of things by adding these practices, by adding movement practices and mobility and, uh, integrity of the joints. So, um, I think that, um, you know, that's something that, uh, that's another cultural thing I think needs to, to change in, um, I do see, I do see like, so somebody like a Mike Boyle that, that, that exists out there that you, you see the influence he has on certain professional teams and you just don't see those kind of injuries, you know, from the entire team. Once that, that culture has been established, um, you know, from, from the coaches. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just, I could just speculate that, um, a lot of, a lot of these, these players are, like super competitive and so they think that they need the performance edge on everybody else when in fact um you know they're 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 pretty much at the peak of their performance and they need to to really manage and maintain their body better yeah i've i've thought that it's part that and then part uh just the competition level like being so high you know that Hmm. they might think they need that or they're just in football specifically just you know faster flying at each other more than ever, you know, and right. Yeah. Uh, it could be part that of that as well. can cause injuries too. Sure. Uh, do you have some like specific strength conditioning principles that you think work best as far as just general athletic performance? I mean, that can be as simple as, um, as, as simple as something just like compound movements or more complicated, like varying intensities or mm. what are some, like if you were a strength coach for a school, for a specific sport, mm-hmm. what are just some, principles you'd go by well i i like to stick with the meat and potatoes initially so um first of all i feel like everybody should be assessed so individually and even though you have a big group uh you know team wise especially with football or another sport uh basketball whatever um where you know everybody has different roles and different positions um, they should be assessed individually. And um, 
we should really kind of test um, what the capacity is there. What um, what's what's preventing them from you know their true potential. Um, and so you know more of a prerequisite type approach um, that that goes into um, individual individualized practices that they can they can apply to prime um, you know their workout. So so something that, like a ritual that they're going to establish right away that's going to make them. Um, perform, you know, most optimally um, with their joints. And then we get into um, the strength practices. So this is just like your meat and potato um, deadlifts, your, your, your squats, um, you know, overhead press, etc. cetera. Um, and this is just like, uh, so compound movements for sure. Um, and this is, this is just to make sure multi, multi-joint, um, you know, your body's performing together as a whole, um, and, and, and we're working on just, uh, that maximal strength ex- and that's, that's our goal is, is to build the foundation of maximal strength. And then from there, um, I look into more unilateral type training. Um, I look into, you know, more proprioceptive, um, movement, um, that being in multiple planes, um, because we want our body to be able to respond to its environment, um, which, a lot of people, like I said, this is this is something that's kind of an afterthought, but I feel like, or it could it could get carried away. So you, there's sort of a divisive kind of a camp where, if you're a strength coach for, um, you know, athletics, a lot of times you'll see, <clears throat> you'll see people lean heavily into the functional arena, or you'll see people leave heavily into just like the strength camp. So, um, I definitely try to incorporate both. But what we do is we phase it in and out. So we go through a period of three to four weeks where we're really focused on maximal strength. And then, you know, we're progressing into, you know, expressing our movement practices in, in more ranges of motion and um, getting into multiple planes. And then, you know, then I, I have them sort of transition into more speed power situations. So less load, more, um, you know, force production. So force production being this sort of esoteric idea for a lot of people, like, um, you know, how can I, how can I tense up and, and explode and how can I do this like at a rapid, you know, accelerated pace? Um, so these are, these are movements that specifically, uh, apply to that phase and that adaptation. And then, and then I get into conditioning. So conditioning is always something that I, I leave, I leave more towards the end um, going into the season. So that's why, I mean, I love the off season to be, um, you know, more specific to what your body will then, um, adapt to. And, and then, you know, that will carry over into the actual peak of your performance, which is, you know, the, the actual sport. So, um, that's sort of the progression that I take. And then, uh, you know, meanwhile, in between like our workout days, as far as with weights, Um, you know, we're working on our skills. So whatever applies best to your position, you know, that's something that you want to maintain, um, you know, as far as like taking your joint through that range of motion, like, uh, you know, uh, whether it's baseball or whatever, we're, we're going through those movement mechanics, um, to make sure that your body is still very responsive for that movement. Yeah. So, so one common injury, since we're talking about injuries too earlier, um, and then the principles of strength conditioning, kind of a combo of these is a common injury that I have seen 
in the few years I've been at Nebraska anyways is like uh, vertebrae injuries or some kind of you know, just your classic low back injuries in the general population, I guess. And I work with um, some coaches or some people as far as in like functional movement space and everything like that um, that are really heavily focused on preventing every kind of spinal extension. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard this, mm-hmm. um, if you've it kind of just been like filled in on this. I don't know if it's a movement, but this just this concept of like neutral of spine all, is that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But even a little more extreme than that, like every spinal extension is bad mm-hmm. or that you should never get past neutral spine. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be in a squat or even something like a dumbbell lunge, for example, if you're thinking about a walking lunge, like some of the people that I work with would say to do that lunge bent over at the waist. So you're basically facing the ground to avoid the extension that can happen if you're Uh, straight up. And I, I, you know, it can, it, some of it's good and some of it seems like it's taken too far. And I just kind of wanted to get your opinion since you're not like working with those people specifically. Right. What's your, yeah. Do you have anything you can kind of add to that argument for or against? It Um, seems extreme to me, but yeah, no. And I think, I think it can, that can be like sort of a, uh, a preventative like mindset. That's, um, you, you see that a lot with certifications too, or like neutral spine is something we're always trying to maintain, uh, with every single movement and it's just not realistic. Um, and so, uh, to, to overcompensate by, you know, leaning forward in your lunge and these types of things, like I, <clears throat> I, I'm more about just maintaining integrity and, and, and core support of your spine. So training your body to respond accordingly, uh, in all types of movements. So, um, being able to like have strength. So whether I'm in extension or flexion, uh, either way, like I have to be able to respond accordingly. It's not like a movement that's not going to ever exist, you know, on the field. Um, so as far as training is concerned, yeah, there's ways that like, ideally you don't want to load the spine, um, and, and put too much pressure, um, you know, on the lower back, but, um, you know, that all that can be prevented, it prevented with, um, you know, proper prerequisites where you, you're, you're more, um, in tune and and you're more responsive, uh, with your core and support. And, you know, you, you know, you can take, like say, you know, you have your anterior pelvic tilt, like that's something that, um, we can address, uh, with your posture and like, uh, getting your body to, to repattern a better position, um, just standing up. And then you carry that over into all these different types of movements where you're in a split and you're in a lunge position, whether, you know, squatting, uh, with, with load on your back, um, anything really. I mean, it's, to me, it's a little bit ridiculous to think that, um, you know, like, uh, you know, these, these types of, of positions with your body aren't going to happen anyway. It's, it's really how, how we respond and how we strengthen, um, you know, your body. And this is a lot too, where I talk about mobility, but mobility, that, that practice in itself, um, it helps your body to learn, um, what to do when, you know, you're in certain ranges of motion and your joints are in certain positions. Um, you know, how can we generate force to overcome 
gravitational forces or overcome external forces. So um, just to, to consider that, I think, is, is more important than just compensate and put somebody in a, um, in a position where, okay, maybe this is not going to um, stress you know, their lower back too much. Yeah, exactly. What about maybe a more general population? Uh, maybe you know someone who's fifty and has battled like low back pain for a long time. How would you get someone to the point where they have that core support, or they're able to fix their positions just to try to eliminate that pain? Because that can really be something that a lot of people deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this is all what you go through when you get into. Um, you know, the assessment process, uh, you know, what, what's unresponsive and what's over-responsive. So um, a lot of times, like, we're hardwired uh, because of the way that, um, you know, we pattern our movement throughout the day. So um, these are just things like just, just basically um, taking them through, like, extension and, and activating their glutes more um, and, uh, um, you know, addressing anterior pelvic tilt you know, lower lumbar lordosis, you know, all these different, uh, you know, thoracic kyphosis, like these different positions that, you know, like are problematic, um, that we get into and we can, we can really address that by connecting to, you know, better, better posture positions. And so teaching people how to, um, you know, get their joints into the proper position and then also just um, be more aware of where their body is in space. I mean, that it, it seems like ridiculous that, um, you know, somebody might not know what their their foot is doing while they're doing a movement, you know, but it's very common. Um, people are just disconnected to a lot of movement that they do throughout the day. And I think that um, once we start kind of um, showing people that this is really how your body should respond in this movement, this is, you know – these are the contributing muscles that we need to be active in this and um, uh, going through that process and, and, and going through things that um, will train, you know, your core to brace properly um, and, and go through those type of exercises are like super important. And then um, not only will it, it'll fix these problems, um, uh, you know, before, before we start loading, you know, the body. So I'm just very passionate about making sure that this is addressed before now. Oh, well, you know, she has lower back problems, but maybe she's just not strong enough. And so let's, you know, let's like slowly start uh, loading weight on her back and, and, you know, just start slow and take her through range of motion. Whereas I'd rather have her connected to um, what the proper position looks like and create better recruitment patterns um, to take with her then from there on out. So. Yes. All right. Let's maybe touch on nutrition a little bit. And that can be uh, general population. It can be athletes, um, maybe from your experience, like as a trainer or maybe as an athlete, even um, talk about like processed foods just because I know this is kind of a generic topic, but uh, it's pretty common in obviously like the if it fits your macros kind of world, but then also like uh, yes. in ethics. Yeah. And then like in athletics too, though, because I mean, you know, they're serving up Gatorade and then, yeah, yeah, Gatorade, you know, different sports drinks, muscle milks, all these different things, Yeah, you know, just have a whole fridge stock for them to take and talk about like how that could possibly affect not just someone's like health internally, but like their performance and actually how they like the energy they have and how they can perform in the gym or on the field. 
Yeah, I mean, processed foods uh, by themselves uh, are inflammatory. So um, really, that's that's the main focus of, of what I, I try to avoid um, inflammatory agents uh, because already your body's trying to, you know, repair and to, um, you know, uh, replenish uh, tissue that, you know, has been damaged from the workouts or for, cause exercise itself is inflammatory. It's a form of inflammation. So, um, you know, to add all these different things internally now that your body has to fight, uh, constantly in this, if you're constantly eating like processed foods, this becomes a chronic issue internally, um, that your body tries to, uh, process and overcome and deal with. So, um, you're really like shooting yourself in the foot. Um, by uh, constantly drinking these Gatorades and, and eating processed foods and um, overloading your body with 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 in, inflammatory um, um, food, so um, as far as the performance is concerned, like you could see how okay, if if I focus on um, health, wellness, and, and I'm and I'm doing things where I'm promoting um, you know an optimal metabolism. And, you know, my body is functioning internally properly, everything else will, you know, benefit as a result. And, you know, everything else will be more efficient in, in, in the process of recovery, especially. So um, not to mention, you know, like just the, the, the spikes and the crashes and uh, the insulin dumps, all these like de- depending on, you know, what the athlete is eating, um, you know, you're, you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of uh, uh, ineffective uh, fuel that, that 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 these athletes are running off of. So, um, yeah, whole foods nutrition is 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 essential, um, you know, for even stamina. I mean, stamina and just um, readily available uh, energy that um, you know you're not going to bonk. You're not going to have these moments where um, you're on the field and and you just crash. So. Um, you know, all the, all things considered, like, uh, if that becomes part of your, um, your, you know, your daily habits, like the overall effectiveness of how your body performs is going to be exponential. Mm-hmm. Well, I could, I could nerd out on this strength conditioning stuff all day. I'm sure some of, uh, some of my listeners that aren't necessarily in that performance space would like me to get on some other stuff. Maybe, uh, <laughs> talk about like, I saw you guys were, you're at the Spartan races, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um talk about like preparing for a Spartan race. I I have a whole episode I know that's kind of specific and it's kind of sprung it on you, but uh mm. I have an episode where I was just answering a listener question that they're talking about like how do I prepare for my first Spartan race? What different things are important that I work on if I only have, you know, 6 weeks or so. Mm. And I gave my answer. I just kind of wanted to hear you talk about that world of obstacle racing since you're kind of been in it a little bit and i mean just a brief answer on what kind of stuff's important to work on sure and i mean it this all sort of follows back to the formula i kind of gave for how i would train athletes but uh as far as like specifics of uh spartan race i mean you're you're being challenged more um stamina endurance grit wise more than anything so um I mean, grip training is, is going to be definitely something that's, you know, is a focus for me. So farmer walks, you know, um, you know, just like deadlifts and, um, overall like strength is going to be a concern for me. And then, um, as I sort of transition, 
um, because there's a lot of pulling um, and, and climbing. So, um, you know, I, I just try to kind of emulate a little bit more of like what to expect uh, based off of like some of their obstacles and things like that. Um, so, um, you know, crawling patterns and, and things like that where I'm, if I'm in my mobility days and I'm getting this, um, this cross firing, um, uh, communication between the body. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it all follows the same kind of trajectory of like, I start with my baseline sort of, uh, foundational strength. I transition into more proprioceptive type work, reactive work. And then, um, you know, I, then I'll start to focus more on the endurance, but I mean, the endurance, I'm probably going another two weeks. So, um, you know, let's say that's anywhere from four to five weeks where I'm, I'm at least getting like uh, a good amount of conditioning in, um, because I mean, there's a lot of running and a lot of uphill and, you know, like you have, you have everything from, you know, high elevation to deal with. So altitude and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty tough, tough thing to endure. So, um, yeah. you just kind of want to, you want to, um, not overtrain, uh, for sure. So don't, don't think that you have to, um, uh, you know, like get super intense leading up to it because that's not going to benefit you at all. Um, that's something that you, 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 you want to really ramp and build up, uh, to the peak. And so when you peak, you want to make sure that, you know, you time that right, uh, leading up to the race. Great. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, this, uh, axon stick? I don't know like how much you can talk to me about, but, or even oh, just it's, the power. It's out in, yeah, it's out in the public. I definitely can Great. talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Even just like isometric, uh, training or these different concepts that are maybe underutilized a lot. And Oh yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, which is, um, this is interesting because again, we go back to what is popular and what is like totally, uh, not popular, not sexy, um, and even shooting video for it is tough because <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to hold this static position and, and isometrically irradiate, you know, my body to produce force, you know, like what, what are you talking about? Um, so for me, it, um, this is a, this is something that I kind of stumbled upon, um, and, or revisited. I knew about isometric training forever. Um, and, and people have done it, um, in the past, uh, for performance reasons to really connect, uh, to certain ranges of motion and to, um, get stronger in certain parts of different lifts. Um, and so for me, I was always interested in, like, we talked about earlier with football, like when I was bench pressing, like, so there was sticking points in the bench press where I just, I couldn't, I would get to a certain weight limit and then I just, I couldn't get past that part. Right. And so, you know, isometrics really helped me to address uh, those sticking points. And um, then I got introduced to stick mobility, which um, getting through mobility practices for me, I did more kind of your traditional kind of um, moving type dynamic warm ups. And then I started using actual like mobility flows and, and using a stick to then as a tool to give me feedback. So that was a really interesting concept to me. I was like, wow, um, I can, I can actually start to feel, um, you know, from head to toe and, and focus a little bit more effectively, um, how to add tension where I needed it, how to ramp up that tension. Um, and, and you know what that looks like. So, 
Um, the as far as the axon is concerned, um, that was was sort of a, a something that came to me while going through some of these movements where I was I was going through these um, isometric exercises and I really felt the effect of them and uh, I felt my body responding and it was hard and I was tensing my whole body and I'm like wow this is really hard and um, I don't really know what you call so it's not isokinetic but it's 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 a way too that you're adding tension uh, through through movement so you're actually moving um, with this and uh, so I was going I was doing squats where I was pushing the stick um, overhead and my whole body just lit up like a Christmas tree uh, throughout the entire range of motion I found I could uh, my depth increased dramatically uh, just mm-hmm. because I was tensing my body my body felt like super supported and I was like wow there's a lot of value in that uh, especially as um, you know an assessment or something I could work with clients and teach them um, you know how to not let go let go of that support as they go through these ranges of motion which is something a lot of people do like they just drop into the squat and they drop in there and they're and then they they try and summon that 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 kind of uh, uh tension again on the way back up whereas you know if they're supported the whole time you know your body it feels more comfortable and you, you can get even more depth um so that was really interesting to me so um all that kind of fast forward um i started working with one of my old clients on the idea of like well man, it would be so much cooler if I had feedback and I had something that actually told me um, if I was to add more tension, what does that look like? Um, and, you know, how can I get something to tell me um, how, how like much more effort I'm putting into this versus when to back off? Um, and so we kind of created with, uh, we brought in another engineer into the mix and we created this stick that um, it gives you, uh, LED light sequence that that really the coach has the power um, to sort of dictate, um, you know, like how much tension they want their athlete to apply, um, where they can actually see where um, they're losing it. So you can actually sort of focus in on that sticking point. You can focus in on that interruption um, you know, in the communication where now let's focus on that. Let's, let's get rid of that weak link in the chain. And, uh, so from a performance aspect, that was really attractive. And, uh, also just from, um, a rehabilitative uh, aspect, it was attractive because now I have a tool, I have something that, um, you know, with isometrics, it's safe. It's super safe because all you have to do is let off. And when you let off of your tension, you know, that's the end of the exercise. It's not like you're loading somebody. Um, and uh, so anyway, so physical therapists and chiropractors, um, I've, I've been connecting with them. And uh, they're really excited about, you know, the potential for that, um, you know, in their practice with, with treating patients um, to see, you know, what, what, what kind of force can they produce, um, you know, from this joint in this range of motion. And, um, where it's problematic is you can see a lot of times you can actually see visibly now with the stick, you can see where people don't have the capacity. They don't even, they're not even connected, um, you know, to that range of motion or that process. So, well, that's um, what we were talking about, right. Is building that connection. That's, I mean, a lot of the stuff we talked about in, 
you know, this chat was about building connections so you don't have that back pain, building connections so you perform better. Yep. So, yeah, it sounds pretty cool that, you know, the tool can uh, try to build that and work you through those different movements. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, it's it's something that's going to be a long time to develop and I've, I've made relationships and I'm getting somebody hopefully to, um, uh, a grad student to, to take it through the, the, um, you know, exercise physiology lab kind of setting to where they can, they can really, um, evaluate, um, its true benefits and potential. And I can get some, you know, scientific data back to, to promote it a bit further. Um, but initially like I was trying to market it as like, an easy sort of uh, at home way to train. Cause you can, I mean, you can really use it with just about any exercise you can think of lunges, squats, you know, pressing, pulling. Um, but at the same time, like the consumer, I mean, we all need to know what the true benefit of it is. And um, force training is a, is a bit of an esoteric type of uh, concept. Um, and a lot of people don't really understand nervous system, the central nervous system, you know, how, um, you know, like neuromuscularly, how everything's related. So, um, that's, that's, that's a challenge. It's an uphill battle for me, but, um, you know, hopefully word gets out. I get it in more strength conditioning coaches, hands or physical therapists, you know, um, people in the field that, uh, can help to kind of promote it. And, uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see in the future where we go. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. I think, uh, I think like once it catches on, I mean, I, I think it has potential to be huge. I mean, as far as the applications of it are concerned. Uh, so I guess let's wrap this one up, Justin, uh, where can people find you? How can people connect with you? How can people learn more about maybe Axon or maybe just, uh, this mind pump in general? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Definitely go to mindpumpmedia.com, um, and our website's all getting revamped and everything, so it's going to be nice and pretty here soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, all of our programs, all that kind of stuff is there. Uh, find us on iTunes, uh, Mind Pump, and, uh, you know, our Instagram. My Instagram is mindpumpjustin. And, um, yeah, anything Axon-related you can find, uh, it's axonfit uh, on Instagram and then uh, axonfit.com. Uh, and, um, that's just that, that's something that, uh, yeah, we're slowly building and, um, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks, Justin, for coming on. I definitely appreciate it. Really enjoyed talking to you, nerding out on some strength conditioning. Oh, it was great. I finally got to talk about fun stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They just got to give you the, the platform to talk about it. Right. That's You're right, not, man. You don't have to be the quiet one. I don't. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, the one-liner yeah. and that's it, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. all good. Well, I'm a big fan of the show, so it was great having you on. That's awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Yep, thanks. All right, bye. bye. All right, guys, and that'll do it for today's show, episode number 112, an interview with Justin Andrews from the podcast Mind Pump. Be sure to check out mindpumpmedia.com. Be sure to check out Mind Pump on iTunes if you want some good fitness advice, some good listener Q&As, and if you want to hear more from Justin. Um, also connect with Justin on Instagram at mindpumpjustin, and check out axonfit.com. Check out all those different places, probably linked in the description of this show as well. If you like the show, please subscribe, review, 
and ask your listener questions on triplefpodcast.com slash contact. Thank you to Justin and the whole Mind Pump crew for working with me and for giving some great interviews to you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed them. Uh, and thank you to you guys for listening and for tuning in and for making this all possible for me. I'm Jordan Stoltz, your host. This is the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Till next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.